Well, today is Baptism Sunday and Palm Sunday, and so those who have come and who are sitting in in white are going to be baptized later on. If you're here in support of them later on when we have the baptism ceremony, when it's their turn, would you stand so that we know you're here to support them uh, when that time takes place? Uh, But if you have your Bibles, would you turn to the Gospel according to Luke? Chapter 19, you can get the Bible however you do that, whether it's on an electronic device or whether it's uh, in book form. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab the one in the seat back in front of you, and you can take that home with you as our gift. We want you to have that. Keep reading, and, uh, and we'll enjoy that time. But today we're going to be at Luke chapter 19 as we continue, actually finish our series on empty and filled. That Lent has been a season where we focused on the places where God still needs to mature us or save us from our sin, where we empty ourselves of unnecessary comforts and distractions, and where we focus on the need for a Savior who is Jesus. So we've been on this journey, and today we kind of complete this as we move to the cross on Good Friday. And so we're going to read from Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. And today we're reading from the gospel. And so in honor of the gospel, according to Luke chapter 19, would you stand as we read the gospel? Hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as written to us by Luke. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Shalom, or peace in the heavens, and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees said to the crowd, uh, in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. In the background are lots of people shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And shouting, Shalom, peace in, in heaven and glory in the highest. Just imagine that going on and on as he's walking through. Peace in the, in the highest heaven, glory in the highest. They, they just continue to yell this. And Jesus weeps over the city. This isn't like he shed a tear. This is weeping. This is... Deep sighs and pangs and crying. And he cries out over the top of them shouting peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And he says, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. Shalom. 
but now is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. We're going to need a little bit of time to unpack this gospel. But trust me, there is good news here and hope. So let's pray and ask God to bless. Father, thank you for the gospel. Help us to understand it today. And help us to see what this truly means for us. The challenge it is for us even today. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So strange passage for us today about a parade and going through. And so I just need to unpack this just a little bit. I need us to hear the literary context. I need us to know what Luke is all about. You see, there were four Gospels. Three of them have similar patterns and they call them the synoptic Gospels. That means one vision. They kind of look and they share similar stories. And then John kind of goes off and does his own thing. He has his own purpose. But they, these gospel writers each had an intent in their writing. Matthew was writing to the Jews. So he quotes um, the Old Testament more than any of the other gospels. He was trying to help them understand through the lens of Jesus what it meant to be a Jew. One who praises God. That's what Jew means. It comes from Judah. Praises God. Yahweh or praises God. And so Jesus in Matthew was, that was the goal to really show in light of Jesus, who is this God and how do we praise him? Mark was writing to a predominantly Roman context. And so we looked at this last year at how Jesus's passion was really the complete reversal and turning on its head of a Roman victory parade to say that power does not save the world. Emptying yourself of power is how God will transform the world. And that was Mark's message. For Luke, it has often been said that Luke is the gospel to the poor, to the downtrodden. That Jesus always looks at the outsider. He always reverses things where people would say, oh, God's blessing them. Jesus would say, wait, God is actually blessing the poor. God, He always kind of reverses these things over and over. And so our passage today, we need to kind of look at where it falls Overall, in Luke's Gospel. And so, in Luke chapter 18, if you just want to turn back one page, um, you would see that Jesus does some pretty radical teachings. There's a Pharisee, this would be the religious elite, the holy person, and a tax collector. And they're both praying. And Jesus teaches him, this is in verse 9 of chapter 18, Jesus says, that the tax collector, the one that everybody despises, is actually the one whose prayer is heard by God. Because he comes humbly and contrite and, and asks for mercy. And God is willing to do that. Uh, little children, we always love this, but in Jesus' day and age, little children were just seen as a nuisance. And they were just mouths to feed and they didn't produce much, if anything. And so uh, they would always kind of be shunned away from adult things. And Jesus says, no, bring them in. That's what God's kingdom is all about. Bring him in. He's reversing it again. And, uh, and then there's the, the rich in the kingdom of God. And one has been so blessed. He's, he's kept all the laws and, and he's done well and he's blessed. And, and Jesus says, oh, there's one more thing. Give all that you have away and, and come and follow me. And he leaves and, and he gives that hard teaching of how difficult it is for the rich to enter. 
You see, we would always look at them and say, well, God has blessed them. Look at all they have. And Jesus, again, wants to focus our eyes. Luke's gospel in particular wants to focus our eyes on the outsider, on the ones that can't give you anything, and the ones who are in need. That is the heart of God in Luke's gospel. And so because of that, then in verse 31 of chapter 18, Jesus predicts his death. He knows this message is not popular. This message is going to lead to some conflicts. He's called out religious leaders. He's told parents that they need to pay attention to their kids. Uh, he has turned things over. The things that we strive for as God's blessing may not be what's exactly on God's radar. He knows this is not going to be popular. So he predicts his own death. That he will be killed. Then he uh, moves in. He heals a blind man. Now, remember that miracles in all the Gospels are meant to instruct us, not to impress us. So he heals a blind man. What is he saying by healing this blind man? He is saying, you see this vision. You've seen what I've been teaching. You've seen that I'm going to die. You don't understand it yet. So in order for you to understand God's kingdom, your blind eyes need to be opened. The miracle is to get our attention, but it's to instruct us that we, if we want to see the kingdom of God, need our eyes healed in order to be able to see this upside down kingdom. Then he moves on and he lives out his touch tough teaching in Luke 19, 1 through 10. He goes to Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You remember that kid's song? How many of you remember that kid's song? You know, it kind of combines Judaism and Irish. Wee little man. He goes into the home of a tax collector, and he says, this day, this son of Abraham has been restored. He flips things up. The person that you would cast aside, he goes and eats with them. Then he moves on. In 11, uh, verses 11 through 27, he talks about the parable of the mina, so the parable of the pound. It's it's kind of a a kind of retelling of the story of the talents from Matthew's gospel. In this one, they add on this thing about there's a man who goes away to become king. And the people around there send their own entourage to say we don't want him to be king jesus is saying you are going about to announce me as king as i ride into jerusalem but in your heart of hearts you don't want the message or the agenda that i bring with me and so he says just to prove this he tells the story of the people who were given ten and five and one of a minus or an amount of money and the one who has five, he does some things, so it doubles to ten. And the five, he he also doubles his to ten. The one said, I put it in the ground because I knew you were a rough person. (laughs) I put it in the ground so I could just give it right back to you. What is this all about? You see, in in Jewish mindset of the day, the one who had protected the gift and dug it in the ground and stored it and hoarded it for himself would have been seen as the hero because usury or to make money off interest by loaning it out and getting interest back was seen as sinful. And so Jesus is telling a story that the sinful people that that did a new thing to encourage and understand the king's message they actually got it right and the one like this who hoards everything who hoards god's blessing that is the one 
that Jesus says that's outside the kingdom. That shows that you don't want me to be your king. And he says that then in Jesus, if Jesus is in charge of our lives, then we must share the good that he has blessed us with. And if we don't, it invariably leads to violence. That's why as they are marching in, I know we call this Palm Sunday, just a little trivia for you. Luke's gospel is the only one that doesn't mention palm leaves at all. This is just a parade where they are inaugurating a king. That's why they say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus on this parade understands that they don't get it. They don't understand God's heart is for those who are on the outside. And so he weeps over them because he knows, he knows that they, they want a savior for Jerusalem. The nations, not so much. And so Jesus is weeping and saying, because you don't care about the other nations, which is what God cares about. It will invariably lead to violence. That's why he talks about your enemies building ramparts around the city walls and all the destruction that will happen there. Jesus knows the path that you're on where you just want a king who will be a savior for your nation, who will drive out these Romans and drive out these other people and set you up on top of power. That will lead to your destruction. And it happens. After Jesus died, the Romans come and they do exactly what He said, he said, you don't understand. If only you knew what would bring you peace, what would bring you wholeness, what would bring you shalom. But you've missed it because you're unwilling to hear God's true agenda. So Jesus knew. Jesus knew that God's agenda is for the nations. If you don't believe me, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and read it. You will see that from the very beginning, it's been God's intention to restore all the world. All right. If Jesus is Lord and King, then he sets the agenda. Amen? If Jesus is Lord and King, then Jesus sets the agenda, right? That's what we gather for. We must allow Christ to set the agenda for our church. That's why right after he goes up after this parade, he goes right into the heart of their religion. He goes right into the temple and he clears it out. He cleanses the temple. Why does he do that? Because sometimes religion is the strongest resistance to God's agenda to the nations. In other words, our church, sometimes we are the ones that resist what God wants to do. And Jesus needs to come and overturn things so that we can focus once again on the one that we proclaim is king and the one who gets to set the agenda. Amen. So what does this have to do with baptism? I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about some of the different things that go on. And, uh, and I explained to you guys in our baptism meeting some of the symbols behind baptism. We're going to look at that. Some of it, you know, quenches thirst. It cleans us up. We use it for cleaning. Um, one that we don't like, you know, if you ever have water in your basement, you learn this truth that water finds its way to the lowest place and pools up from there. So does God's love. But for Jewish folks... And really, throughout all the Bible, water is an important symbol. You see, those who are baptized are are joining Christ's agenda. 
And there have been times throughout from the very beginning that we see at the very beginning of Scriptures that through the waters, God created all that there is. We believe this. Through the waters, God took the slaves of Egypt and made them into a free family called Israel. Through the waters, God brought this family out of the desert and into their inheritance. Through the waters, God took a rebellious prophet named Jonah and turned an enemy nation's heart towards God. Through the waters, God pronounced His blessing on humanity as He tells Jesus, You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And we get to hear that today as human beings. Through the waters that flowed from Christ's heart on Calvary, all the earth is reclaimed as God's space. Through the waters, we will find and we will receive, you all will receive grace that finds its way to the lowest places of your soul and starts its cleansing work from there. Through the waters, God will quench your soul's thirst that only Jesus can satisfy. Through the waters, God will wash you whiter than the snow that was supposed to fall today. Through the waters... You will symbolize the death of your own agenda to receive Jesus' agenda, which is life for you in service to others. Through the waters, you are emptied in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit that will empower you to live the Jesus message. And through the waters, you Join with the other people of Cross Community Church who said, yes, we believe that Jesus is king and we let him set the agenda. And ours is to be a church filled with life in order to serve those around us. This is how we connect to baptism. Our question then is, are we, are we ready to let Jesus set the agenda? Are you ready to enter into the waters that will do all that we have proclaimed? Bring you into the family. Bring you into this place. Cleanse and heal. Save and declare Jesus is Lord. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for what this means to us today. Help us as a church to allow you to come in and overturn the tables, whatever it takes to refocus our eyes on you, to let go of our agenda, and to receive from your hand, your focus, the heart of God, your agenda, your kingdom. For we pray these in the name of your Son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. 